Hello and welcome to An Awful Lot of Running, the unofficial, official Doctor Who podcast. A space where woo. we discuss all things... <laughs> yes, <laughs> woo indeed, yeah. We're a space where we discuss all things classic, new, big finish, novels, comics, anything and everything that's about this crazy IP that we love. Um, uh, so, absolutely, first... Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. See, you can tell it's our first time because we're already talking all over each other. <laughs> Very <laughs> um, professional here, folks. Very, very professional. professional, yeah. Um, so first up, big thank you to anyone that has hit do- download on this, on this little passion project of ours. This past year, I think, has been difficult for everyone. And I personally have found a new- renewed love for Doctor Who and the escapism that is offered me during this very bleak time. And basically, the idea of this podcast stemmed from that renewed love I, you know, that I found for Doctor Who. I've been dipping my toes back into expanded media, and well, I want to talk about that a bit, really, with you and my friend. And here we go. Anyway, introductions. My name is Jack. I'm a teacher, a geek, a husband, and a father. And joining me, as hopefully always, is published author Robin Fowle. Hey. Thank you for the very nice introduction there. Hello everyone, I'm the uh, guinea pig that Jack here has roped into doing this. Um, Unlike my friend here, I am very much a casual when it comes to Doctor Who. I love it, do not get me wrong. But I'm very much going to be introduced to a lot of new stuff that I've never heard of. So you're going to be getting my genuine reactions to a lot of things (laughs) as I have this very curious journey into the unknown and wondrous possibilities of Doctor Who. Sorry, I just just started playing Frozen 2 in my head there when you said Into the Unknown. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) As you can tell, um, we are both very geeky people right here. Mm -hmm. Um, I am a writer. Um, I am also into game development. I very much hope to explore the whole world one day. And I am here for just great conversations and a good great gateway to get out of such a awful previous year oh yeah absolutely i think you know you're saying there about your love for doctor who and i know you are a big fan of it but you are very mm, much more you're more new who aren't you than anything previous whereas so, so yes i think that is going to be part of our discussion as to our history and our background into doctor who which i feel was jack you're the one who gave this idea to start this podcast. How about you go first? Absolutely. You know, touch on, bang on the nail on the head there, Robin. Just saying that our first topic for this first podcast is going to be our secret origins, as it were, into I Doctor like it. Who. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> big superhero fans as well, you know, big geeks. So it had to be a secret origin, didn't it? Of course, you know. Of course. Well, well. I tell you what, it's really difficult for me to talk about my introduction into Doctor Who because I feel like I've got such a massive understanding of it now that Mm. bringing it into things is really difficult. I mean, I think the first thing I can say is that I think it's... I think growing up in Britain, everyone, whether they've seen the show or know about the show, you know what a Dalek is. Oh, yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah. And I, I can remember very vividly a Kit Kat... Uh, advert that was on when we were probably like little kids before I had a concept of Doctor Who and seeing these things called the Daleks and my mum telling me about how my uncle when they used to come on the TV and this show called Doctor Who would hide behind the sofa 
And I had the sort of look where I was like, what? Really? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's... <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I've never even heard that they were in a Kit Kat advert. Oh, my friend, they were in a, they were in a cigarette advert. <laughs> I'm gonna. Sa- I, I'm, sa- I'm sending you a link to uh, Hamlet oh. <laughs> uh, fags at the end of this. I tell you now. <laughs> Please do, because that is the fastest way to exterminate someone right there. <laughs> Otherwise, all I can think of is not even Kit Kat, but I'm thinking of like Milky Bar, and thinking the Milky Bar kid is trying to like be in an advert with these things, and they just exterminate <laughs> the poor oh, kids. Can you imagine? <laughs> poor Milky Bar kids going there. The Milky Bar kid is <laughs> exterminate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it wasn't that tough, actually, was he? <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Um, right. So, in terms of things, apart from that, I suppose when... <sighs> what really got me into Doctor Who was obviously New Who, but before that, I did have this sort of cursory knowledge of it. And, as I always say, I had the best birthday ever on when it was the uh, 2005 and that first episode came out on the 26th of March. I remember it now, two days before my birthday. Oh, and I, it nice. was the best birthday present ever because I already knew about Doctor Who and I was interested to see what it was about. I knew about it because when I was younger, I want to say it was about... Oh, I can't quite remember. I think it was about... Oh, actually, I've got it just here. It was 1999, okay? Um, a friend of mine had said that they were showing this show Doctor Who mm-hmm. on the telly and there was something called a Doctor Who night and I saw it advertised after that and there were all these actors I didn't know at the time there was Tom Baker, uh, Peter Davison David Walliams even did a sketch with uh, Mark Gatiss and all people I didn't know but I was I was drawn into this and I think it was a, they had a repeat of some like sketches which they did especially for the night they had a, the last two episodes of the first Dalek serial which I Recorded and watched, and they also showed the TV movie of Doctor Who, the Paul McGann movie, the Ooh, nice. the one and done. Unfortunate, you know. Well, obviously, obviously, he has a new life at Big Finish, but you know. And I watched that, and I really enjoyed that, and it was really cool. And then they said at the end of that night, or at the end of the recording that I had, and this is 1999, so I was eight years old, and I mm. and it was on late, so I had to record it, and I had to watch it back the next day on a video. And they said at the end of it, they were going to be showing some old episodes a couple of nights a week during on, a, on BBC Two at about six o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I tuned in there and I think the first one I actually watched, and I've got the air dates here thanks to thanks to the internet. <laughs> you can find this stuff, you know, Doctor Who fans obviously we're all very passionate to see all the repeats of Doctor Who that are repeated on the TV. All in one thing here is just amazing. You know? <laughs> and the first one I saw was I think was Doctor Who and the Silurians, which is the, I want to say it's the second John Pertwee serial. Okay. And uh, I still have this image of watching it, and there are dinosaurs involved because obviously the Silurians, being a monster that's from Earth itself, but from the dinosaur period, and you know hibernated, uh, and humanity came up in that time. And I remember at the end of this episode, uh, John Pertwee, he goes into a house. Oh yeah, yeah, and he's got like a sort of like a hazmat suit come on it, and I remember at the end of the episode, this Silurian turns around, and obviously it's nineteen seventies Doctor Who, so <laughs> I, I, you know, and I think it's all very charming. I think you know Doctor Who, and all its costumes, even the rubbish ones, is pretty cute. 
you know. You, you have to respect what they had to work with right, at exactly. the time. But I remember just like the music, and even though it does look pretty dated now looking at it, and I've watched that episode since, I remember feeling very like, like, like I had like I gasped. I, there was like an audible gasp for me because I felt like, oh my gosh, what's? And I wanted to see what happened. And then for some reason, when, I mean, as you're a kid, and back in the nineties, as it was, almost the two two thousands. You couldn't necessarily find something on the TV again, could you? If you wanted to oh, watch God, something, no, yeah. you know. So I actually I missed the rest of that serial, and I tuned back into a couple of Tom Baker ones. I think it was Genesis of the Daleks, actually, which is oh. one of my favourite, if not yes. my favourite, classic Who story of all time. And I caught a couple of those, you know, and then it was gone. And that was back in 2000, I think, those ones aired. I can see by here. Yeah, February 2000, they aired the Genesis of the Dalek ones. Yeah, and so I've, I think this was, what, before BBC iPlayer? Yeah. And, like, unless you had it on DVD, then... Mm. Or VHS at the time, exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah, VHS. So, and then, so then, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I won't know anything about that again. And I think I probably went to the back of my mind then at that point, and I didn't really pay much mind to anything you know because yeah. i didn't really have the, you know there wasn't really an awful lot of doctor who stuff happening for children per se at the time and uh, you know i was probably more you know probably more interested in things like pokemon and other things that say 10 11 year old yeah. children are on so. <laughs> and then of course the news came out and i think around i think it was 2003 2004 those that were going to reboot doctor who they were going to bring it back. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And I still remember the anticipation and the excitement I had for this thing that I only had cursory knowledge of and only that I'd seen a few of the classic series. I felt really excited to see this this television show. And the fact that they said it was going to be based on the history before it as well, I was like, okay, that's cool. I guess I can dip into that at some point. I didn't understand quite how much of a history there was at that point. Mm. And then I sat down to watch that first Russell T. Davis episode, that first Christopher Eccleston, Billy Piper, uh, Rose. And I just, I think, like I say, it was the best birthday, I, I best birthday present I think I could have ever had. Again, two days before my birthday, my 14th birthday, but I was just captivated. Yeah, it's fantastic first episode for mm. newcomers. Like, including myself but i'm getting ahead of myself please <laughs> carry on there mate i think and i think it is it's a fantastic episode and i know some people say oh skip skip chris freckles and get to david Tennant. i said don't you dare what? don't you sleep on chris i know i know some of the episode or some of the effects are a bit dated now per se particularly i can think of one where mickey touches a bin and goes oh, up that is and the gets, worst and it gets sucked <laughs> into the bin that goes burp. <laughs> Which I which I kind of love at the same time, but it, like it's so bad. But yeah, sometimes I, I sometimes do. Doctor Who is so bad it's good. Just wait until I get you into classic here and I make you look at the murker. I mean, as long as it's so bad, it's good and not. Actually, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The murker is actually every classic Who uh, fan just switched off the podcast because they were like the murker so bad it's good. No, it's it's bad, but. <laughs> And this, folks, is going to probably be another episode that I am subjected to on my uh, time on this show. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 
but yeah, and obviously, I absolutely loved the show so much. And I was absolutely captivated. And I was sat there and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then, at the end of the episode, as it used to happen, I think, or as it still happens on the BBC, the voiceover came at the end there. And if you enjoyed Doctor Who and you'd like to see more about how it was made, ch- tune into BBC Three, which now has Doctor Who Confidential on it. Oh, which I went that into, show. Oh, I loved that show. I yeah, miss it, it so, so, so much. I know they did a different version of it and they did one on YouTube, but I think it's so missed is that Doctor Who Confidential. Well, did you ever watch the one on uh, BBC? Or like the kids one? Where they used to have like a half an hour block. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I used to love that. You know, and that's that was the height of Doctor Who, wasn't it? And they used to have the little like, like a five minute animated episode as well. I remember from like, uh... not. I don't think it was for series two. For series three, definitely because they had. Well, it was definitely around David Tennant's time. Yeah, it was David Tennant. It was David Tennant. It was uh, Free Radjaman. It was Martha Martha Jones' Infinite Quest. They had Mm. little five minute segments of that playing over the course of the 13 weeks or so of the episodes where we were discussing it and showing different things and obviously that all came together into one thing and yeah, very, very cool so I remember that as well but Doctor Who Confidential it was really cool because you'd have Russell T Davis the writer or other writers of the episodes talking about things which, you know, in the actual making of the episode and then they, particularly in the first series of Doctor Who Confidential they talked about well, of course, this in Classic Who happened. And I'd be like, mm. ooh. And then they'd show clips. And I can remember one really vividly where they spoke about, and of course, you know, the, the Doctor had his Moriarty figure, you know, another Time Lord mm. called the Master. And I went, what? For the past couple of weeks, he's been saying he's the last of the Time Lords. You're telling me there's another one? And then he went into this big hish about the master and about how he regenerated and how he could not regenerate in different points and having new bodies and seeing all the clips and it just, it really, it captivated me. I was mm, so yeah. into it and I was like, this is, I think I'm one of those nerds that loves lore. You know, if you give me something which has got deep lore, I will get into it. I will love I'm it. I the exact same thing, mate. You know? Like... I may, I can't I can't tell you anything about history, but I can tell you about wars and Game of Thrones. <laughs> I can tell you that now. Mate, I'm good with my history. I'm good with my geek lore. Um, like, oh, you want me to name every single ship in Star Wars? I can do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, but this thing called a uh, GCSE maths. Um, I've completely forgotten everything about that. <laughs> Who needs a trigonometry? Oh right? man, I'm a I'm a teacher and I can't remember stuff from her. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, I always did by the, you know, you've got to at least be, you know, five pages ahead of the children, you're fine. You know, that's what I say in the <laughs> But no, yeah. And then somehow, I think it was my mum had said, oh, well, it turns out they're showing old episodes of Doctor Who on Saturday and Sunday mornings on UK TV Gold. And they had this thing which was called a Doctor Who Omnibus, which is a bait, which was essentially a classic Who serial, but cut down to be one long like three hour block where they would take where they taken out like you know the they take out you know the opening and the ending just have one opening at the front and play the entire thing and i think i got into it i think the first one i saw was actually tom baker's final story which is a megopolis oh i'm not familiar with that one Mm. and so every saturday and sunday morning i would start 
I would get down that, I'd either watch it or I'd record it. And I saw, whilst I was watching Chris Rackleson, on a Saturday night, I would see Peter Davison, Interland Colin Baker, and Sylvester McCoy. And I watched pretty much the entire classic Who what? from that point, from Peter Davison to Sylvester McCoy. To Wait, so you've you've watched all of them? I've watched those ones, I have. I've watched The Fifth Doctor to The Seventh Doctor, I've seen all those. Some of them a long time ago, and some of them, maybe not all of it, because, you know, either I didn't record it or I didn't wake up in time or something like that. But, yeah. So I've so what you're saying, really, is that I've got some real catching up to do. <laughs> I've not even finished my origin yet, mate. I feel like I've been talking for a long time, but, you know... <laughs> No, no, mate, mate, please. So, you are the Uber fan. Like you, you get it. Well, you know, there are some Doctor Who fans that have watched all the surviving episodes and listened to like the missing ones on like CDs and stuff, and done the entirety of the thing. And I, I haven't done that, but I do have a good, you know, I have seen quite a lot of classic Who. You know, I've seen more of it than I than. I probably haven't seen. I'll say that much. So, because I, I do, I love it. I love, you know, I love the character of the Doctor, and that's what got me into really. So, at the same time as watching Christopher Eccleston, I had Peter Davison and then Colin Baker and Sylvester McCoy. So they became three Doctors as well as Christopher Eccleston, who were very, very close and dear to my heart, mm. because well, I had. You, know, you always remember your first Doctor, don't you? And I think oh, they always 100%. have a very special place in your heart, and Christopher Eccleston will always but then you know Peter Davison in particular has a very close thing in my a very very close place to my heart you know so when I met him a couple of years at a con I I had the chance to turn that and I was very <laughs> had to you know get my composure and I was very excited <laughs> by that you know which oh, is cool mate. <laughs> I know uh, which which one's Peter again Peter Davison the fifth doctor the one with the cricket uniform and the uh, decorative mm. celery <laughs> That's why. I, I was confusing him for the second Doctor for a moment, which, <gasps> don't worry, fans, I know that sounds blasphemous, but I am catching up, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna give him a list of uh, classic episodes. We're going to go watch some of those on BritBox, I think you're going to have to, aren't you? So, sorry, a list or a book, Jack? <laughs> I could give you a book, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can do that. That's fine. But yeah, and that's the thing. I was hooked to New Who then, and it would come along and we were speaking before just before the podcast actually when we started recording when the announcement of David Tennant becoming the Doctor and Chris Ruckerson leaving came out oh my god yeah I mean I wasn't sceptical because I'd already seen some Doctors come and change so I was I was ready for it and so I watched Casanova, which was the thing which was on the TV at the time, to be like, oh, this is Russell D. Davis's other show, and David Tennant is the main character on this. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, he could be interesting. could be cool. But my goodness, I don't think I was ready for quite that. I, back to what you were saying about you always remember your first Doctor. For me, it was very much Christopher Eccleston. That was my first true introduction to Doctor Who, I would say. Um, I mean, before that was even a thing, um, as a child, I would always catch glimpses of never Doctor Who episodes, but the Doctor Who movies. Um, not the TV special um, with the Ninth Doctor, but the, the really old ones involving the Daleks. 
I know the ones you mean. Yeah, the mm. Peter Cushing movies, I had the exact same thing. I'd catch them as oh, well. Oh, they were Peter Cushing? Yeah, oh, Peter wow. Cushing, yeah. Grand Moff Tarkin. Mate, I, know, I love him as an actor, and I never knew that. Wow, I'm definitely rewatching those now. Um, but yes, I just always had this real vivid memory of watching these, which I always mistook them as Planet for the Apes movies, which I know sounds really weird, not because there were like, no apes in them, but that kind of set design and those costumes. Mm-hmm. And then I'd see these striking, like, moving small tanks with, like, these little plungers on them. And... As a kid, you're just like, what? What are these things? Like, why are they as menacing as they are? But I remembered my parents being like, oh, those are Daleks. Those are some of the most scariest things out there. And I was like, okay. I mean, I, I don't really get it myself. They're just kind of like walking, talking trash cans to me. But I still enjoyed them. I, I had no idea that the Doctor was an alien or that there was any time travel i just knew that these movies somehow connected i thought it was basic sci-fi well of course because in the movies he isn't he's just a human called doctor who that has made a thing Mm. called a tardis and funny enough in the uh dalek invasion of earth the second movie there the policeman companion that comes into it is actually played by bernard cribbins who obviously is wilf uh donna's granddad in there yeah yeah that's awesome. Oh, I love how these things connect. Oh, Absolutely. So that was what Ascent 2 was, without ever knowing what it really was. So when news came out that Christopher Eccleston and that new series of Doctor Who was coming out, I knew that a lot of people around me were super excited. Like, a lot of people in my family, a lot of my um, older families that lived down the road from where I was, and again, I was like, well, what is Doctor Who? It's like, oh, it's this amazing sci-fi show. And I was like, sci-fi? Say no more. I love my sci-fi. I am a huge Star Wars geek. <laughs> um, I love all sorts of sci-fi stories, whether it be um, Farscape or whether it be the sci-fi scene in superhero movies and comics and video games, like... Oh, I could just list all the different sci-fi games that I love and adore. <laughs> you, you love it so much, you wrote a sci-fi novel. Indeed I did. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, I'm totally going to be selling my book right now, but it is The Last Human, written by Robin Foe, that you can find and read on Amazon if you so wish. Um, yes, I did just totally insert that in there. Um <laughs> It's fine. I was I was going to ask you to do it at some point anyway because I feel like you know it's important that we celebrate that well, fact. Mate, you know? it's my passion in life. I love to write. I love to read. And if I can continue to write, I will certainly die a happy man. Um, but yeah, I remember there was this huge ordeal about new dot two coming back, and to prepare newcomers like myself. They prepared, like, I think it was an hour or an hour and a half, like, talk about who Doctor Who is. And it was kind of snippets of all the different Doctors that came before. And, like, showing clips from them, talking about what the series is, the development. And I could just remember distinct clips. I I remember the, uh, oh, the third Doctor. And them showing a clip of him in 
the notorious flying machine. And I was just like, what? What? And they did that, and then they showed another clip of the uh, licorice all sorts monster. And I was just like, what is this show? Is this. Hey, hey, don't you badmouth the candy man. <laughs> don't you come into my house and badmouth that monster. <laughs> I mean, I would just say, like, oh, he's not a threat. All you have to do is eat him. But folks. Um, in particular, folks who are not from the UK. I don't know if you've ever eaten licorice, but it's by far the most disgusting sweet that you can ever have. If I remember in that story as well, I think they dissolve him in his own, like, licorice, like, juices or something. I can't remember what? the exact thing, <laughs> but I think that's how they beat him in that episode. Oh, you know? God, out of context, that sounds so freaking dark. I know. You know, it, it's funny as well that in that story that he's not the biggest monster in it because the Doctor's main villain, that is basically a pastiche or a parody of Margaret Thatcher. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that's not talk about that right now. <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to process this right now. <laughs> trying to work out how you do a story involving a Margaret Thatcher figure and a monster made out of licorice all sorts. Because capitalism, that's why. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let, let's go with that, shall yeah. we? <laughs> um, so I watched this, and I was super interested in all these different actors, their portrayals, and then I found out, wait, there's time travel involved? It's not just sci-fi? Like, I got through all these years, never knowing that Doctor Who was about time travel, and now... The whole world was open. Did you want to go back in time and meet this famous person? Of course you can. Or do you want to go to the distant future and see where the world would take us? Absolutely. Do you know what's really funny was that when I when I figured that out, when I realised that he went back in time in a, in a TARDIS, which was a phone booth, essentially, mm. I do remember thinking, oh my God, they're just ripping off Bill and Ted. <laughs> And now, can you imagine being a Doctor Who fan? Can you imagine saying that to a Doctor Who fan now? You'd be like, ah! <laughs> You'd be murdered oh on the God. spot. Mate, I watched Bill and Ted before any introduction to Doctor Who, so yeah, I think same. I may have thought the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, so I, I remember because it was a big, big ordeal, and I think it was for a lot of families back in 2005, right? When yeah, it first... 2005 was that first series, yeah. And I just remembered, like, sat there on the sofa both my parents either side of me and them joking about oh you're gonna hide behind the sofa and like what what why why would i hide behind the sofa it's like oh because that was the big thing back then you're like oh yeah sure empty child a few weeks later ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that first episode as an introduction like it hits all the nails on the head we get an idea of like the world that we're in as well as like the threats who the doctor is and for me that moment where rose tyler cornered by the mannequin monsters slowly closing in just about to get her and this hand just grabs hers and christopher's first line in the whole series is one i tell you what talking about a counter you could have a run counter through all the doctor who Absolutely, you know. Uh, we, so me and Jack, just before the podcast started, we were talking about... Now, there's undoubtedly going to be one on YouTube, but there has to be a well counter for David Tennant. <laughs> well! Ah, <laughs> oh, but 
For me, Christopher Rexton was my first doctor. His beaming smile that just hid this inner turmoil, this darkness, this bitterness. And he'd already played some fantastic roles before his opportunity in Doctor Who. Um, from what I read online, that was pretty much why he got the part, was mm-hmm. being able to portray these characters. And so to have him, this character who could at one moment be like so full of himself, the beaming smile that showed that nothing was above him, he could sort this out. And then to have those episodes where he was at the lowest of his low, this weakest points, which mm. to me, and this may be a conversation from another time, I love Doctor Who, and please save your pitchforks and torches for after I finish talking. I'm just getting mine ready. Hang on a second. (laughs) (laughs) So, one problem that I've had with recent Doctor Who is that they make the Doctor too powerful, like, too intelligent for their own good, and always, always able to get out any situation. But with that first introduction of Christopher, there were situations where he could not get out of it, where he was forced to become someone else. Um, In particular, one fantastic standout episode, which I think Jack will agree with me, Dalek. Oh, that is my favourite. That is my favourite Eccleston episode. Same. Potentially tied with the Only Child and the Doctor Dances, but that's that's more for that, because I feel like that finishes a character arc Mm. for... The Ninth Doctor, but I get you know we'll talk about it another time. But Dalek, absolutely, I think because I'm jumping on your thing now. But I'm going to bring in my thing. no, no. I jumped on yours, I, so please. It's do. fine. I I think like you know we were they did the perfect thing by putting Dalek in as I think episode six of series one because you yeah. got to know the Doctor, you got to know Rose as a companion, and sort of understand a bit about the show. And they were very much you know don't worry, the first episode has the Autons on it, which is an old monster. But it's not made like a big thing of it. It's not made a big, no, oh, no, no. you know, it's very just there. And I think everyone was waiting for that first encounter with the Dalek, weren't they? So they get you into the show. And then Robert Shearman, who wrote that episode, who's done my favourite uh, stories over at Big Finish, which is one I'll talk about later as well. Mm-hmm. He just writes this amazing episode. And like you say, it could be Chris's best performance as the Doctor I think when you have the, that moment where he goes into the, the, the darkened room and we you know we we know a Dalek is coming up because obviously the episode is called Dalek and worst I think episode title yeah well and in the previous week, we, I think we even had the Dalek showing up in the next time of Doctor Who trailer you know I'm sure we did but that oh, moment yeah. where he goes in and you see that time war fury come out of the mm. Doctor and it's it's a side that we've not really seen from him in that no, point. No. Like he's very like even the first episode, he's he doesn't want to kill the nesting consciousness. He has this anti plastic and he's like, I don't want to use it. It was just, you know, insurance policy. And he gets knocked in by accident. And he's been very you know, he's been you know, he's been mm. very doctory. But then that's when it's a real change, you know. And I think it's also so Oh, I, I rewatched that episode recently as part of the Doctor Who lockdown. They were doing, you know, tweet alongs, which is something which I'll talk about later as well. Mm-hmm. And watching that episode, I was able to really appreciate it again as an adult now and just seeing 
and appreciating the acting on Chris Rackleton's part in that episode is just... It still holds up. Well, absolutely. And there's just... There's a moment, I think, where he's... Where he's in Van Staten's office and the Dalvik is on the monitor screen. They're talking to each other. And there's a moment where he's like, why don't you just die? And he... And, then, I, and there's a bit where a bit of spit comes there mm, and you can yeah. see that he's so into that performance that an actor of his caliber and i know a lot of actors of his caliber have been in and given the same sort of passion but an actor of his caliber is giving that weight to that performance against this blooming pepper pot yeah <laughs> you know and you can you it's so believable that anger that wraith he hates this thing and we don't know anything about the time war at this point you know that first series print all through russell c davis's series and a bit of moffat as well we get a lot of time war angst and a bit of some which hyped us up as kids just this idea of this thing called the time war you know and it's so oh my goodness it's just amazing you know which for a newcomer like myself that was perfect. I know that it's um, taught in one documentary that I watched that they deliberately did that. They sprinkled in these elements of this time war and they ran the show in a way that obviously old, old fans could come in and really appreciate it. Like the introduction to the classic mannequins that were an old monster. But to us, that could be a brand new monster. And that was a perfect start. Um, there was nothing like previously on Doctor Who that you had to know. Everything was fresh. Everything was just like, this is the Doctor. He is an alien. He has two hearts. Um, you could clearly tell that he just recently regenerated because there's a scene of him checking himself out in the mirror, looking at his big ears, which I love it when actors point out their like facial features oh, like I that. And I, lo- I love how uh, in the day of the Doctor, when you have John Hurt's War Doctor regenerating oh. he and he let's just say for an actor he was only on screen during the end of one episode and actually in just one the anniversary episode for an actor that got to play a version of the doctor what a amazing performance i know. mean john hurt in general oh yeah absolutely astronomically one of the best actors that mm. we've ever had which reminds me, you must and everyone must listen to the War Doctor series from Big Finish because he is amazing in that and it's just a fantastic series that people should listen to. Anyway. Wait, you, are you telling me that they got John Hurt to yeah, do that? Yeah, they did. They they got four box sets with uh, John Hurt reprising his role as the War Doctor, which is part of what got me into Big Finish, actually. And that is definitely going on the top of my list of things to listen to now. Absolutely, yeah. The first box set in particular, for anyone listening, Only the Monstrous, is one which I would definitely recommend. It's uh, it's basically a three-hour Doctor Who action movie with John Hurt as the War Doctor, and it is spectacular. That sounds badass to me, mate. Mm. Um, speaking of, like, quickly going back to that episode of Dalek, the ending, oh. like... You had it sprinkled throughout, like what the doctor was preparing himself to do and what he was hoping not to become. Even that scene that you mentioned, that one where he's spitting at the screen, just saying, like, Why don't you die? You and would make a good Dalek. <laughs> that and that is just so 
Oh, chills you. I know. And like you see his reaction to that as well. It's like that like the Dalek could not have said anything more to him that could not have that, that that nothing could have hurt him more than what he just said there. Just the you know, oh And it's later on, at the end of the episode, where it comes full circle and he has that cannon. He is aiming it at the Dalek and this like I didn't know this back when I first watched it but now I have that greater appreciation for understanding that the Doctor he's for the most part he tries to be a pacifist he tries to be this person that helps regardless of your background as a waste he doesn't want to see a waste die he wants to help he even in a later episode goes out of his way to help um, Andros of all of his classic enemies no, not Andros. What am I talking about? Um, that's Star Fox. Um, I was going to say, Star Fox! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, the... Two uh, Barrel! The, the creator of the Daleks. Davros. Davros, no. And- that would be a very interesting episode of Doctor That'd Who. That would be a hell of a crossover, wouldn't it? <laughs> of all the games, but... Um, Doctor, do a barrel roll! <laughs> um, but yes, to have him prepared to do that... Like, that's what I felt was an absolutely outstanding mm. moment in his performance. Absolutely. And Christopher Exton, all out, phenomenal doctor. So when he was announced to be going, and when I got the news that David Tennant was replacing him, well, I'll certainly be... Well, I definitely did eat my words, but when I first heard the announcement, I was like, wait... You mean that guy from Casanova? What is he going to do? Like, hump the Daleks to death? Like, I just... I did not get that. I was like, no. No, you can't replace him. <laughs> and I've had this very... This very mentality where whenever there's been a new Doctor, there's always been something that I've fallen in love with about the previous Doctor where I've just not wanted to let them go. But, and I think I can talk for both of us right here I think we both agree that David Tennant is our favourite Doctor well I'm, I'm literally sat here wearing a David Tennant Doctor t-shirt you know with all his catchphrases on it and around so I think it's probably fair to say he has a very special place in my heart yes he is my my favourite Doctor and he is yours as well he is yes I know but I, I'm I'm one of those awkward people that does say, I actually, I love all the Doctors. And if you were to ask me on one day, I would say, you know what, they're all my favourite. But in my heart of hearts, it's... David Tennant is my top. He is my favourite Doctor. Oh, 100%. And just because I say David Tennant is my favourite, like, does not mean that I don't love the performances of Matt Smith and Christopher Eccleston. Um, I haven't watched any of of the Judy's Doctors yet so I need to get on to that and I definitely need to go back and watch some classic Doctor Who to appreciate their performances yeah. as well Peter Capaldi also very good and yeah I I'm, I can make my thoughts clear on Jodie Whittaker's series at a date to date but uh, mm. anyway <laughs> Jack has warned me let's Let's put it like that for when um, I finally catch up. I think it's important to say... You know what? I wasn't going to get into it, but... You know what? I'm getting into it now. I'm doing it. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna okay. rip the band-aid oh. off. I'm just doing it. Okay. <laughs> right. I've started it now. <laughs> yeah, right. 
I think I'm gonna do, I'm gonna start off by being a lot more civil than I think many um, people within the Doctor Who fandom have been. If you enjoy Jodie Whittaker's series, if you enjoy Trish, Chris Chibnall's writing and his stories, I am happy. I am glad you enjoy them. I am not saying that my opinion is better than yours or yours is better. Than, I am saying I am glad that you enjoy it. However. I have not enjoyed the past two series of Doctor Who, for the most part. There have been the odd episode from series 11 in particular. I loved Demons of the Punjab. Um, I thought uh, Resolution was quite good as well. I enjoyed a couple episodes in series 12. But I'm going to be honest here, and this does tie into my Doctor Who origins in terms of wanting to create this podcast... The end of series 12 left left me feeling burnt out. And I'm saying that with Robin having not seen series 11 or 12. And I don't want to ruin anything for me. But it left me feeling burnt out. And I felt like, you know what? I love Doctor Who, but I, I, can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't watch anymore. Wow. Mate, you never said it was that bad that you burnt out. And again, I know there are some people that enjoy it and some people that can accept it, but I'm not one of them. But, obviously, this year has been, or last year even, I should say, 2020 was a very difficult year for everyone, it being something we wouldn't expect to happen in our lifetimes as a pandemic. And something which was really a saving grace to me in the, the uh, pandemic was actually the Doctor Who watch-alongs on Twitter or tweet-alongs that Emily Cook of Doctor Who magazine and now Big Finish was organising with fans all across the world and actors and, pe- and writers and directors that worked on episodes tweeting along to old episodes and I got so into that and it really read vitalised my love for Doctor Who in a time where I felt my love for it being an all-time low. So much so that I got found a new love for Big Finish, which I had before but hadn't dipped my toe into for a couple of years. I found a love for the expanded media, for the comics, for the novels, which I didn't have before. And I would say, at this point now, I'm probably, despite... The current my vaults on the current TV series. Despite that, I'm probably at the height of my Doctor Who love because of good. That. No, I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah, hence why we're doing a podcast on it. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I very much believe that this is what got you to start this podcast because you came along and said to me, "Robin, dear chap." quite like that but uh, you get the idea right, uh, Robin, Robin dear chap uh, but would, would perchance would perchance you be interested in conducting and instructing inst- instructing what am I saying instructing <laughs> uh, conducting or creating a Doctor Who uh, podcast with myself oh well uh, that sounds rather absolutely dashing my good sir excellent brandian unless you haven't noticed by now we're very dramatic as well Case in point, that's where we first met through performing on stage. Um, that probably sounds a lot grander than it actually is, but uh, well, we did perform. We, did, we, uh, we treaded the balls, didn't we? Yeah, we, did, yeah. we were at the Exeter North Court with we the youth company, and it, 
we geeked out over various anime and our love for Doctor Who even back Absolutely, then. yeah. We uh, I can I can still remember. I think it's when we were doing the acting classes as part of Northcott. It could have been, or it could have been we were doing a. It could have been that we were doing a show, but I can't remember Would which it show back it was. I remember you. It was. No, no, it was. Well. I remember you talking about how you're excited because for your birthday you'd asked for the third series of Doctor Who. Oh, you'd asked for the I did, box set. yeah. And I remember you bringing it in, the look on your face, which uh, I can still see it now. It's David Tennant and John Sim back to back, like they're in a buddy cop film, but obviously it's the Doctor and the Master. Mm, yeah. And I still remember that you like the look in your face that you brought in because you were so excited to show me because you knew how much I love Doctor Who and I was like, that's so cool, man. That's oh my god. Because I think at that time, obviously, being what teenagers, you have a lot more free time. Don't oh you? my god, free time, expendable income, that beautiful, yeah. beautiful expendable income, which I wish I'd saved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I know, right? Yeah, but like you know, and. Like, I would find myself re-watching stuff a lot more than I can do now, for example. Mm. So, if, as soon as I got the DVD or the box set of a Doctor Who episode, I would be watching it and re-watching it every now and again, it would, you know. Didn't matter if I just finished the series the day before, I would watch it from beginning to end again. And so much so that, instead of getting the box sets for New Who, until... Until Matt Smith, actually, and no, actually, until the David Tennant specials, I got the because they would at the end of the whole thing they would release an entire box set of the episodes. Mm, yes, they would be all of it there, be the collected edition of the season. I was so excited and I couldn't wait that I would get the like the three episode oh wow single of, single one disc. of those fans. So I got those at home. So whilst whilst you know when we just finished watching like Journey's End or something or. Uh, the parting of the ways actually I remember I can remember that I was re-watching Father's Day as it was happening because <laughs> so, <laughs> I had the DVD did you, you own know? that one box set of season one which was this huge box in the shape of the TARDIS no and you know what that that forever I'm that is forever going to haunt me that I didn't get that the massive season one box set I mean it's was... got a great interior because you open it up and it is the inside of the TARDIS. But it's this huge, bulky thing. Like, you have to really find the place just to put it on display. That is a display. Uh, I bought... I, 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 got, I got the re-release, I think, when I went to university the first year. I was like, I, uh, I need to watch some Doctor Who. And my, there were a couple of flatmates that hadn't seen the first series of Doctor Who. And I bought the first one to re-watch that, nice. which was... Which was cool, but yeah, I, it always it will forever haunt me that in my Doctor Who collection I've just got the the smaller series one new <laughs> release, but not the massive Fu Tardis box set. Uh, so, dialing back to what we were just saying about now about you being passionate about Doctor Who again through these books and these comics. Well, mm-hmm. after you um, asked me to join in with the podcast, you then for my birthday gave me a particular book a book that you highly recommend yes because you would think seeing as we're you know we're based we're in the off season of doctor who right now mm. aren't we in this in the sense that it's not on the show on the tv sorry 
and uh, we don't actually know when Series 13 is going to be on. They've said at some point this year, and I think Chris Chibnall even said, it'll be on as soon as it's ready, which is great. Mm. You know, and obviously, you know, they've got obviously constraints on them because of the whole pandemic, things happening, that the next series is only going to have eight episodes in it. Oh, really? But, yeah, but then again, you know, I'm very much of the mindset that Eight episodes of Doctor Who is better than no episodes of Doctor Who. I, I'd also know? rather have quality over quantity. Exactly, yeah. And, well, you know, but despite that, it's been a year of massive releases of Doctor Who and massive announcements. I mean, goodness. Um, <laughs> as you say, you I gave you the first novel of the Time Lord Victorious event, which is The Night, the Fool and the Dead, I believe is the title. I believe that is it, and... Oh, that is such a good read. Like, because I remember you were just messaging me, just being like, "Oh my god, I've been reading this amazing book. I've been listening to this amazing uh, audio drama." And you're just gushing about it, and then, lo and behold, in my post for my birthday, I got that book, and I hadn't watched or followed Doctor Who for years. Um, I don't have a TV license, so I haven't been able to follow any of. Uh, Jodie's series um, nor have I been able to read any of the books or the series because um, of my own busy schedule but when I got this book I think that ignited my love for the series as well like A. David Tennant what's not to love about that and they capture his voice in that book but the ending to that book I don't want to spoil Oh, but it's a good one. It's a really good one. It is. And I have to say, as someone that has enjoyed and actually partaken in a lot of the releases within the Time Lord Victorious overarching narrative that they've done, it's definitely something I want them to see, do, see them do more of in future years. And I have really enjoyed it for what it is. And I know at the start there was a conversation that some people were saying the whole thing was going to be too too expensive or it was difficult to follow mm. but i i thought they were very upfront at the start that said look if you want to have the whole story you can have the whole story but it's like a music festival i think is something that's james goss which is the the one who oversaw the entire mm-hmm. thing the producer yeah. a very good doctor who writer in his own right i'm actually sat by a novelization of city of death one of my favorite fourth doctor stories <laughs> which is by james goss so, uh, but yeah, um, he was very upfront and said that. And personally, as someone that's been a comic book fan for years and has had to navigate these big events from Marvel or DC, where I'm like, right, I have to read the event oh book. God, yeah. Then I have to read Avengers issue 41. Then I have to read Spider Man issue 72. And then, you know, this, this. And then I can read issue two of the main event. I, I found it very easy to navigate my way through it and sort of piece together the story. And they have put up an official timeline now as well, which is very good. But which I found it I found it very you know I found it very easy and I have enjoyed a lot of it. And I even sat by a, a Tom Baker audio Ooh. release, Ge- Genetics of the Daleks, which is one which they announced quite later on, and I've got here, which is probably one of the best. Uh, fourth doctor audios i've listened to actually so. so people listening in you've probably been hearing me laughing at points during this part of the conversation when jack refers to a list about all these new things 
Um, you pretty much have read and listened to all of those by now, haven't you? I pretty much. I, the only things I haven't uh, read are the little snippet uh, booklets or story things that have come with the um, Eagle Moss Collector um, figurines of the Daleks, which they've been releasing. Only because I'm not really a figure person, and to be honest, in a house where I have a little, you know, where I have a son, a little boy, and soon have a little girl as well, children running around, it's really not the sort of thing I want to have is, you know, figurines around the place. Also, my wife kind of hates that stuff, so, (laughs) So, you know. I mean, you can still be the passionate geek that you are, but you cannot display it. Yeah. (laughs) I think, and I think, you know, obviously those are things I'm going to miss, and I'm, I'm not too worried about that. The only couple of other things I'm going to miss are probably the escape room because pandemic, and also the live theatre thing, which is supposed to be happening in February. I don't know whoa, whoa, whoa. if that's still happening at the minute with uh, things. Dial, up, dial that back. Escape room and theatre. I've not heard yeah. of either of the, these. Uh, it's funny enough, actually, the. Uh, the, the reason they did um, this release with uh, the fourth Doctor, the Genetics of the Daleks one, which again, I'm holding up to the camera, which Robin can see, but no one else can mm-hmm. see, yes. <laughs> is this leads directly into the escape room. So the Dalek in the story with Tom Baker is the Dalek which you're trying to stop in the escape Ooh. room. Oh, that sounds which is good. Pretty cool. That sounds like yeah. a really good premise. Yeah, and then the live theatre performance is something which we don't know an awful lot about, really. They had a couple of trailers up, and the final one features uh, Kate Lethbridge-Stewart, which is a, which obviously he was the head scientific officer of U- of UNIT during uh, um, the Matt Smith and Peter Capaldi mm-hmm. years. UNIT, uh, yeah, uh, who obviously again is the daughter of Captain, uh, sorry, uh, Brigadier Lethbridge-Stewart, who is a classic Who character who. Uh, is one of my favourite companions, actually. Uh, and uh, just general pieces of Doctor Who, which I really love. Um, there's a trailer which features her at the end of it. And again, we don't really know an awful lot about this thing. But it, other than the sense, it's going to be very audience-based and very audience participation-based. But it's called Time Fracture. It looked very interesting for the trailers. But again, we don't know an awful lot about it. And, you know... My, at the time of it being announced, I thought, February, I'm not sure that's going to happen. I don't really want to get tickets for it because it'd be in London anyway. Oh, and, yeah. you know, we're having another baby. We've got a, we've already got an 18-month-old uh, running around. We don't really have the capacity to be able to go and do that. So I was quite happy to be like, you know what? That's one more release I don't want to partake in. But I've loved the books. I've loved the, nom- the, the, uh, the comics whether they be the Titan comics or the ones in Doctor Who magazine. And I've absolutely loved the big Finnish dramas, actually. The ones of the Eight Doctor, really enjoyed them. The best one, I would say, is probably the second one, which is um, Enemy of My Enemy, which is a really good lesson. But I'm sure we can talk about the whole Time Lord Victorious thing when we do an actual episode on that at some which, point. after we'd done that first book, I'm more than down to catch up with those other books and have a full-on discussion about that. Um, I very much believe that, like my good friend Jack here, I've just been... My curiosity has been ignited again for the series. I really <laughs> want to go back and I want to watch those classic Doctors. I want to see what really started things off, have that appreciation for the special effects and 
the time constraints that they were under like it's not an easy thing to make sci-fi regardless of how you try and trim the fat and when you when you're working on a 10p budget from the bbc i imagine it's even more difficult and when you've also got to then think about the time that you're doing it in like if you're doing modern day no problem but anything in the past you've got to make sure that your fats are right otherwise you have the history buffs like on you and ah uh, but i'm i'm just really excited about getting on to this podcast and absolutely I, again i'm i'm really grateful to you for letting me join you on this little venture i'm i'm happy to have you with me <laughs> you know it's uh Robin is one of my oldest and dearest friends. Not to say you are old, but I suppose we're both we're both starting to punch thirty, actually, yeah. aren't we? So uh, thanks, thanks for reminding me on that little fat toy for this year. <laughs> just, just to just to date ourselves now, just to let you know, dear <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like we've done which we always do. We sort of uh, we've had our point, and then we've darted around things and come back. And but yeah, I think well, that's our Doctor Origins, really. I suppose, guys you know apart from that really like i say i've got into big finish mainly i started off doing that with the war doctor and the 10th doctor release that came out i have dipped into the the monthly adventures as well some great ones from that and other releases but we can talk about that when we do a big finish dedicated podcast i'm sure which i think sounds absolutely perfect and now that we've talked about our origins uh do you perhaps have um any Doctor Who news or any other tidbits to share with me? There, there's a couple of bits I want to talk about, actually. As in, uh, well, it's funny enough, there are actually two little tidbits that came out today about Doctor Who news. And actually, it's funny enough because because of the way we record and release these things, these may not be completely up to date in terms of things when we actually release this episode. But first off, uh, we had a release uh or sorry a release of the uh, cover of dalek empire 3 Ooh. or not dalek empire 3 sorry it dalek universe 3 which is the third and final 10th doctor box set of this new dalek universe thing which is being released this year and that features on the cover uh david Tennant, as we know and also alex kinston returning as river song and the return of terry malloy as davros which is something i am very excited to hear is the 10th doctor facing off against not just davros but classic davros they hired a new actor for new who and it'll be really cool to hear the staple or the resident in-house davros from big finish facing off against david tenet that'd be really really cool mm, i'm i'm looking at this right now and yeah i not followed any of the Dalek universe. However, knowing that we've got Davros, make sure I'm getting his name correct this time. Um, and yeah. with a song, not Andros, <laughs> Uncle Andros. I, you will have to bear with me, folks. Again, I am the casual Hoovian, and Jack here is the Uber Uber. Oh my God! Try saying that three times in a row. Oop. Uber Uvian. Uber Uvian. Uber Uvian. Uber Uber Uvian? Yeah. yeah. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's part of why I'm doing this podcast and why I wanted Robin to do it with me so that I can not just educate our audience, particularly on 
expanded media, but also get my old friend back into Doctor Who. Which, mate, you are already succeeding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other bit of news which I wanted to talk about is just, it's not so much news, it's not more, uh, more hearsay, I suppose, in terms of things. It's, uh, again, in terms of Big Finish, but Alex Kingston in an interview with, uh, with the Radio Times talking about the upcoming uh, Diary of River Song Series 8, I believe, from Big Finish. Mm-hmm. Talking about it and how, uh, with, obviously, the biggest news from Big Finish last year was that Christopher Eccleston was going to return to Doctor Who yes. via Big Finish and do some box sets there. And I cannot wait for those. Honestly, I really, I think that's so amazing that after all this time, almost 20 years, in fact, really, we've... Oh, God, yeah. We're having Chris <laughs> Rackleston back to play the Ninth Doctor, which would be really cool. And I asked Kingston, and it's the headline of it, and I haven't read the entire uh, interview, I must say, but she says that River Song, she's sure that River Song will meet the Ninth Doctor in a future Big Finish audio adventure. And I say, well, she's met the rest of them, why not? Why the hell not, indeed? Like, when she yeah. meets him, doesn't have to be in chronological order well exactly and Big Finish has already done a very big thing about having her meet previous versions of the Doctor that we didn't see on screen goodness uh, in the past in November I believe actually they released additional episodes of of the Tenth Doctor and River Song so we had some snippets of little audio adventures which happened with her in between Silence in the Library and um the Time of Angels, I believe it is. Ah, oh, Silence of the Light. Silence. Uh, that episode. Um, yeah, that two-part are really that's good. That's so good. Yeah. And, you know, I think we always felt that, you know, from that episode and then the episode in Series 5 when she meets Matt Smith's Doctor, I always felt that there were, there were little episodes which were happening between that. You know, that when we actually saw her again, she's, she's like, oh no, she's met the Doctor a couple of times in between that. And Big Finisher filled that gap, as they often do with holes in canon and different things. I always say that, you know, Big Finish sit there and watch an episode and go, okay guys, there's a hole there, time for a box set. <laughs> like, they've milked every little thing in Doctor Who, and through her own series, and I think through the Eighth Doctor um, audios as well, River Song, I believe, has met almost every incarnation of the Doctor now at this point. So for her to meet the Ninth Doctor at some point in Big Finish is very exciting as well. Now, mate, I think that is another thing that I've definitely got to get into because River Song, one of those absolutely badass characters. You know, she is sexy, she is funny, she, like, she, like, really does get the job done and her first introduction <laughs> her first int- I'm sorry, for context everyone, just so you know, Robin is currently sat next to his girlfriend <laughs> so when he said for a song sexy it's just so funny I love you honey <laughs> she gets it she gets it <laughs> uh, but <laughs> We, we like to have fun with this podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, her first introduction in that, that library two-parter, that, that was her first introduction, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Like, made her such a endearing and interesting character. 
and always when she returned, she was always just so much fun in whatever episode she appeared in. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I anything with her in it, more than happy to invest time in and find out. There's some really good releases from Big Finish. I'll tell you about some time, which are really worth looking into if you're a song. But in terms of news, I could also talk about stuff which has been sort of leaked about Series 13 in terms of certain monsters returning. But I always feel that sort of thing. It's better to leave that sort of unsaid mm-hmm. because even if that news comes out and we share it, I think it's, it's better to leave that for, for an actual watch of the show and see what monsters come back. So, you know, even though I've not been a big fan of past two series of Chris Chibnall's era of Doctor Who. I'm still excited for new Doctor Who. I am. I I can't help that. <laughs> I think the idea of a series about a time-travelling alien who faces off against monsters and aliens and robots, there's a charm to that. It doesn't matter oh, what your budget is, where they go. It's time-travelling sci-fi. What is not to love about that? You can have any story you want. Do you want to have adventure? Do you want horror? You could have a heist or any number of things. And thanks to those timelines, you can explore so many themes and ideas, Mm -hmm. like things that are so important during those eras, Um, especially with like the age ranges and the themes whether it be uh the issues of race or sexuality and i think something like that is very prominent for dot who something that it's always pushed for especially in the most recent seasons and i think it's something like that that will make dot who not only stand up as this great series but also continue to be the series that stands the test of time Absolutely, absolutely. I think, like you say there, sci-fi in itself, and Doctor Who in particular, is one of those things where it's, you can exp- you can explore anything through it. In particular, Doctor Who, I always like to think of Doctor Who as like a springboard. And from that springboard, you can go here, 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 here. You can go anywhere with it. You just have to try and tell a good story, is what I say. Which, for Doctor Who, for the most part, they tell good stories. Yes, but absolutely. You always get that one bad episode each season. Oh We're, yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure we can talk about that at some point. You know, that will be an episode um, in itself for sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I suppose we better get round ourselves off to finish now. But before we do, as part of my ongoing education of Robin into the bizarrity of Doctor Who and trying to entice you into the expanded media and dear listeners as I try to entice you into it as well I want to have a little discussion about canon and I'm going to say it now within Doctor Who canon does not exist (laughs) and that may hurt some of you but that is the case I'm sorry but that is just dead and in my segment now which I like to call canon busters where I will examine one or two little pieces of the expanded media and try and wild Robin with the absurdity of them just to show that again canon does not exist we just have to take it as what it is and just enjoy what we can enjoy 
I, I think another word to describe canon in Doctor Who is like some kind of wibbly wobbly timey wimey. <laughs> I hate that you said that first. <laughs> I had to beat you to it, mate. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well. <laughs> right. Anyway, so Robin, mm. I. When designing this segment, I was a bit unsure whether to of how to do this. I thought, oh, I could say a couple things to you and make you guess if they're true or false. But I think I'm just going to come out and say it to you, okay? Please do. Robin, other than Doctor Who, what would you say your big sci-fi love is? Star Wars. Yeah? yeah? Star Wars. How would you feel if I told you that there was a character from Star Wars that was actually a ca- canonical has a canonical appearance in Doctor Who. I'd say you're pulling my leg, but um, I've got a feeling that you're going to be proving me otherwise. Well, let me tell you about a story called Forever Autumn, which is a new series uh, novel uh, during the David Tennant era featuring the 10th Doctor, played by David Tennant, and uh, Martha Jones, played by Freeman Adjuman. And they... The Doctor makes reference to a certain character that he's actually met from Star Wars. What? Yes. Ooh. And in this novel, the Doctor talks of how Jar Jar Binks was a member of the Binks clan who the 10th Doctor described as being very hospitable and good people. Apparently, at some point <laughs> in the late 20th century, around the time George Lucas was writing Star Wars The Phantom Menace, Jar Jar sent a telepathic message to George uh, perceiving him as an idea for a character (laughs) and Lucas wrote him into the script oh my god of all the things to have convinced George to put Jar Jar into it well yeah he he made him put himself into he made George Lucas put himself into, into Star Wars so I have to say you saved that line of conversation right there for me because when you bring it up him talk about Jar Jar of all people I was like of all the people he could have met like of all the cameos to have chronologically in Doctor Who why Jar Jar oh yeah you just you just have the Doctor turn a corner and hear hello there <laughs> which oh my god I wish because if Doctor Who can have several comics with the cast of Star Trek Next Generation, why can he not have a crossover with Star Wars? It was in a galaxy far, far, far away a long time ago, so, you know. Technically, you could say that Star Wars is canon to our universe, so why not, eh? You know, Star Star Wars is canon to everything. There we go. That that makes me happy, but this... Yeah, but no, can you just imagine? You know, I think it's just made reference to in that story, Forever Autumn, which is a novel I... I think I must have read when I was younger, but I missed that. Uh, sorry, I just—I'm going to tell you now, dear listeners. When I'm coming up with these, I'm just going to be typing random words into the TARDIS data core and see what comes up. <laughs> well, so I found that one in terms of Jar Jar Binks, and I thought that's just too good not to not to talk about. It is a shame though he doesn't appear in a novel, particularly. Cause can you imagine if we had that scene where him going, "Miss Doctor, Miss, worry about these Daleks." <sighs> And there comes the PTSD, which I've been trying to oh, yeah. sponge out of my brain. Oh, yeah. The machete order for watching Star Wars exists for a reason. And I have one more thing to talk about. Actually, 
one of my favourite companions. Oh, Robin. okay. I'll, I'll say it now because I didn't get a chance to say it earlier. My favourite companion in Doctor Who. My favourite Doctor is the Tenth Doctor. Mm-hmm. My favourite companion is Ace, who is a companion of the Seventh Doctor. Mm. And uh, funny enough, she'll actually be meeting the Tenth Doctor in a box set from Big Finish at some point uh, this year, which should be pretty cool. Very nice. Anyway, what are my other favourite companions? This companion I fell in love with because of the uh, uh, aforementioned Robert Sherman. One of his uh, audios, or one of the scripts he wrote for Big Finish, called The Holy Terror, which is a Sith Doctor audio and features one of my favourite companions, Frobisher. Now, quite a cool name, isn't it, uh, Robin Frobisher? That's an awesome name. Which Absolutely. I thought you were going to be mentioning a particular ood from the book that I read. Oh no, not Brown the Ood, no, no, but Frobisher. Frobisher is actually the name taken by uh, uh, a Wiffadil companion of the Sixth and Seventh Doctors. What the hell and, is a Wiffadil? Yeah, a Wiffadil is basically a shapeshifter. Okay. And the form this shapeshifter usually takes... Now, you would think as a companion as the, of the Doctor, they probably more often not be human. Yeah, it's completely... Or a humanoid. Frobisher takes the image or the form of a penguin. <laughs> a penguin! <laughs> Absolutely. And he talks like a noir 19-whatever no. detective. Okay, yes. Jack, are you bullshitting me right now? No, I am not. I am not. I am not. And he is amazing. In the story of the Holy Terror, he is actually worshipped as a god for a bit. And there's an amazing bit in it where they talk about, All hail the big talking bird! <laughs> okay, because when you first mentioned this name, I was imagining this big, like, hairy creature. I don't know why. Just like this kind of almost no. snowman type thing. He... He first appeared in Doctor Who comics, he did, and uh, he's had quite a few of those adventures with the Sixth Doctor and the Seventh Doctor there, and he actually meets the Tenth Doctor and the Twelfth Doctor at different points as well. As a I penguin? Believe. As a penguin, yes, but uh, I I got to know him and love him through two Big Finish releases, the only two Big Finish releases he appears in, both written by Robert Sherman, uh, The Holy Terror, and also The Maltese Penguin, which is an excellent, just crime noir story set within the Doctor Who universe. Why was there no penguins when I was watching the series for the first time? Can you imagine if we're watching series 13 or season 13 and the start of an episode and a penguin just walks out of the TARDIS? And talks with a noir voice. Yeah. Oh my god, it is weird. I don't know. (laughs) How cool is that? I love it. I have absolutely. I did not believe you for a second, but I am looking on my phone right now at this noir talking penguin, and I'm thinking, where's this penguin being in my life? Why have I not been following this? <laughs> See, and this is what I'm talking about, people. This is why I wanted to do the podcast. This is why I wanted to do this an awful lot of running the unofficial official Doctor Who podcast to try and get people into and understand the sheer absurdity and amazingness that is the Doctor Expanded Canon because I can tell you now if you think Frobisher is cool there are a million other companions which are just as cool and a million other facts which I will try and bring to you at different points and I tell you what Jack 
I very much look forward to listening to those exact facts on our next episode. Absolutely. And on our next episode, well, I'm not sure what we're going to discuss yet, actually. We haven't, we haven't got that far, have we? We are very prepared, as you can tell. <laughs> I know, yeah, we probably should have. We surely did that. But it's our first one, so I'm sure people will forgive us. You know? Yeah, I mean, we apologise for any technical issues, sound quality and all that, but this is our first time doing this. Absolutely. And we're just doing this out of a love for Doctor Who and just wanted to talk about really it, talk about it with people. So forgive us if this first episode is a little janky in parts. We're still getting used to our format. We will probably be releasing one to two or three of these in a batch uh, order when we've got them all done. So just hold off on any comments. And please, you know, give us any comments if uh, you want to say anything that we think we can improve on. Please, we're, we're welcome to constructive criticism. Please do. Absolutely. How else are we going to improve ourselves otherwise? Exactly, yeah. We'd love to be doing this professionally at some point. So please just let us know how we can improve things. But anyway... Thank you for listening, if you have made it all your way through here. Thank you, Robin, for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me on the show, Jack. And we have been Jack and Robin, and this has been An Awful Lot of Reading, the unofficial, official Doctor, Doctor Who, Who podcast. podcast. Thank you all. Bye.